friends, how are you doing in this age of coronavirus and disinformation? Now, the best description of the virus I heard is that we're all in the same storm, but have different boats. Some boats are built for the storm. They can adapt and take on whatever is thrown at them. Some boats need some help and protection and can't weather the storm without the help of other boats. Now, some boats don't think there's a storm at all. And sadly, some boats have already sank. Hopefully that made sense. Now, if you're having trouble with all this disinformation out there, here's some tips to navigate through it. If the person or story says people are sane and they never define who those people are, the story is not true, false, or fake news. Now, if the person or story can't provide proof, data, science, witnesses to support their story, then the story is not true, false, or fake news. Too many people do not ask the question, who are these people and where's the evidence in stories that appeal to their beliefs? Your beliefs are not facts, by the way. Now, hopefully... I didn't make you shut off the podcast because we have a great guest on the show and she had nothing to do with that first statement I made. She may agree with it. I haven't asked her, but it was my feelings alone, my beliefs right there. They're not necessarily facts, they're just helpful tips. Megan Carlson is my guest and it was great catching up with her and seeing how she thrives and survives in Rock Springs, Wyoming and how she got there. My guest today is Rolaho Megan Cacao Carlson. And we'll get into the Rolaho part later in the show. But I have a question for you that I ask every guest of mine. Where were you born and raised? Ooh, that's an excellent question. So I was actually born in Aurora, Colorado. And I was raised in Wyoming and Minnesota. Uh, did your parents, are they like native Coloridians? Is that what you call them? Is that how they met and got it together in Aurora? Or you that was just the place? Um, so um, my dad was a donor. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my mom met my dad. He adopted me when I was nine. And uh, when I, well, yeah, he adopted me when I was nine. And she was working at Target in Cheyenne. So okay. she is a native of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Actually, all yeah. my friends are native of Cheyenne, Wyoming. So, yeah. Nice, nice. So, uh, I mean, it's a blended family. I mean, get, getting a, a dad that adopts you. My dad adopted my older sister. My mom had uh, another marriage previous, but her dad sucked. And so he adopted her. So I kind of know the stories of that. So, yeah, it's different, whatever. Family's great. And so your parents, growing up Cheyenne, do you have any siblings? I do. I have uh, two siblings. I have a younger sister and a younger brother. They're nine and 10 years apart from me. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I have a younger sister who's 11 years younger than me. That's my mom's next marriage after my dad. So my family's pretty spread out. I'm the only boy amongst three sisters, stepsister, and then two bookend sisters, one an older sister, six years older and 11. So I understand the age gap thing. Like it, it, some you get a little bit of your own life for a little bit, and then you said they're younger than you, right? And they, then you're kind of like another parent slash like cool aunt to them, you know? Pretty much, yeah. So uh, my little sister went to school at the other UW, not the actual UW. Uh, <laughs> Wisconsin lacrosse and she's now a fourth grade teacher um, in Wisconsin and then my little brother he actually went to the University of Wyoming he's looking to graduate in December with a degree in communication such as myself all right on right on yeah mine was communications broadcasting that's where my degree went so I had some communication class but it featured broadcasting and then they got rid of the major right after or right when I was in school with it. And so that was great. So 
when UW asks for money. Sorry, UW. <clears throat> Bring back my major and we'll talk. Bring it back. <laughs> but they have yet to. I would know. I still work there. So I wouldn't know if they brought it back. So growing up, Cheyenne, what kind of activities were you into as a kid? Were you, were you into school? Were you into playing sports? Were you into getting oh. in trouble? Well, <laughs> so I should have said I grew up in Laramie a little bit as well. Okay. Um, so um, we moved to Laramie. So my dad was attending the University of Wyoming at the time. He was getting his um, engineering degree. He's the purist. Gotcha. <laughs> his undergrad in uh, mechanical and his master's in mechanical. Wow. But he moved us there. Um, but I was always getting in trouble for sure. I remember rollerblading at a very young age through the, <laughs> the engineering building. Um, we moved to Owatonna, Minnesota when I was in sixth grade. Wow. Um, I played soccer pretty much year round. And then when I got into high school, I also played golf and I ran track and I was an athletic trainer. So wait, did you do soccer all through high school too? Pretty much year round, yeah. Year round, wow. Well, I played soccer like first through fifth grade. The reason why I had a good leg, I could almost kick the field. So they either stick me in goalie or I put you in the forward position because I could literally blast the dude, the goalie, like hit him hard enough that they couldn't catch the ball and he'd go in. Like that's mean, but it still worked. That's like soccer. I could kick the ball. Yeah, it's soccer. And so, um, I quit soccer in sixth grade so I could watch cartoons, but didn't. I wrestled instead and sucked at wrestling. Should have stuck with soccer. Um, eventually, football and skiing became my sports, but I don't know why. Like wrestling, I just don't. I thought it was just maybe the sport to do. And I stuck with it maybe a couple more years and was like, this is dumb. And did a lot, didn't, became a downhill skier. I was on a ski team. And soccer came into handy during skiing all our dry land training soccer and the the soccer players used to hate it because i could keep up with them in their fancy little moves i was like yeah i know i'm a football player but i used to do this thing too and so and i could slide tackle without you know roughing you up too much and uh and so they hated that too because they're all pure soccer players so yeah it's it, it so sounds like you're like full-time athlete maybe that kept you out of trouble later uh, no, no, it wasn't until the <laughs> University of Wyoming, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. So were you, like a lot of athletes, way into grades? I was not. I was kind of like just to maintain enough to play, maybe. That was uh, me, man. That was me, for sure. Yeah, I, and, and then like, I'm sure well, your dad's house really smart engineering. I mean, I'm sure they're like, well, that's just the chip off the old block. Down. Did they push you in grades at all? Uh, not really. They didn't. No. no. My parents were kind of academics and they try and they didn't. Um, and they, but they reached to a certain level where like, I can't do that math. And I was like, I can't do it. That's why I'm asking you. And so, yeah, I mean, it was barely, it was, I didn't realize how important academics was probably until like, I don't know, year four of college when I should have been like graduating. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's probably took me six years, but I had a lot of, a lot of good times. Um, I, Heck yeah. I had good times for those people that did it in three and a half, four. I used to be oh, like, respect. yeah, I knew guys like I'm taking like 20 hours a, a semester. And I was like, you're crazy. You're crazy. I was like, what are you going to do when you're done with it? Oh, I'm going to do this master, you know, blah, blah, all the great, you know, I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to, you know, where I'm going to party at this weekend, let alone what I want to do in five years. I mean, so, so yeah, it sounds like what, well, what high school did you go to in Cheyenne? I always want to know that one. Did you go to, or were you in Minnesota then? I was in Minnesota then. So uh, I went to high school. Yes. And was that, um, after moving from Laramie to, to Minnesota, what kind of, was that a shock to the system? really i mean no. i was in sixth grade so it was yeah. was it a smaller community bigger community well, about the same size yeah because yeah. i moved from a suburb of portland oregon 
to Laramie, Wyoming when I was into seventh grade. And yes, ultimate culture shock of the world. Like, and, and everything came to Wyoming like six months later. Like, thank uh-huh. God, the internet eventually. Now, now we get things on time, but it was brutal for a long time. And I really was just like starting to get into that like popularity thing. Like things were working out for me in Oregon and I had to move here and hated it for, and then, so I just buried my head in sports and was like, my only way out is going to be sports. And then I went to the university of Wyoming because I wasn't good enough in sports to get, I mean, I, well, I thought I was, I probably could have gone to smaller schools, but uh, was just like deflated from not getting the offers. I thought they should have been around at the time. And then it was like, well, I better use my brain now. Great. And so, but I mean, it wasn't one of those people that was lucky to graduate or anything. And I didn't need a whole lot of teacher help, um, maybe in English a little bit, but it wasn't that. And is figuring out how to be a student. And so did you know, like you wanted to go to college when you were done? I mean, I'm sure with your dad, that's got two degrees in engineering might not have been a choice, but did you know you wanted to go and where'd you want to go? Oh, absolutely. So um, I wanted to go to the university of Wyoming. (laughs) So my grandma and grandpa were alumni of the university of Wyoming. Um, I had an uncle who attended the University of Wyoming. My mom did a little stint there and then my dad. So it was actually a predetermined decision that I go to the University of Wyoming. Yes. <laughs> and it was so funny because I remember applying for colleges and I applied for Hawaii. I applied for University of Utah, CSU. I know I'm probably going to get in trouble for that one. Um, it didn't go there, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, UNLV, San Diego, all Mountain West. (laughs) And I got accepted to all of them. And the last one I got accepted to was Wyoming. Wow, they took their sweet time on that one. Yes, they did. Well, my grandparents are like, you're a shoo-in. I'm like, are you sure? My counselor said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, you didn't. And then they're last one to show up. Like, when I went to school, you had to be a graduate from the uh, state of Wyoming. There wasn't a whole lot of requirement. They changed the requirements eventually, but like, well, yeah, that's just not good enough to make a whole lot of students. I mean, like to make a whole lot of college students. College isn't for everyone. Just because you finished high school doesn't mean you're ready to go to college. And I blew off some serious time in college because I don't know if I was ready, but if I didn't go, I know I would have not gone. So it was painful, fun, yet wasteful kind of years a little bit there. And uh, we made it through, but watched so many people that I started with drop out. And, and they're successful now and everything. And so it was just, they, I'm glad they increased the standards to make it sure that you wanted to really go. Like you had to have good test scores and, you, you know, and this and that. So. I'm, I, I, everybody's like, really? That was it? And I was like, yeah, sadly enough. And I don't think I applied till last second because I applied to like University of Oregon. I was shopping myself around to play football. And then eventually was like, yeah, I'll go to Wyoming and was in. And my parents worked there and everything. And But I didn't live at home. I did the whole dorm things. Did you live in the dorms? I did. I lived in Orr, fifth floor. There you go. <laughs> Was it a good experience? Um, It was an interesting experience for sure. Because when I filled out my application, I was like, oh, I love everything. (laughs) So the roommate I got, like, definitely wasn't the perfect fit for me. And so I ended up joining a sorority. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I was in a sorority for a little bit. Um, The rules were a lot stricter than I had at home. (laughs) (laughs) I'll admit I did not last that long. What, what sorority? I was Pi Beta Pi. Nice. I was Pi um, for a little bit, but I didn't join until I was 20. And I joined for social networking because we had Facebook. This is back in the 90s. Facebook didn't exist. And 
um, test scores, test files. Oh my gosh, I got better grades in the fraternity because they were like, you got to study at study tables, just a party. And I was like, if somebody would have applied this to me in my regular life, this I would have good grades. And then I could go grab test files and really kind of bone up on what was coming. I got my best grades in it. But some things happened in our house that um, I really didn't want to be a part of. I, art of. I was older. I was 20 for my class. And I had a fake ID and the bars were starting to become real appealing. And I was like, bars or Pike House? Nah, I'm going Pike House. And so, and also, like I said, there was some, they eventually got called the date rape fraternity. And I think that started right as I was heading out the door, kind of, it kind of pushed me out the door because there were some stupid things that happened. And I was like, ask questions and nobody had answers for me. But yet, so long ago, can't really diss all those people. I ran into them every once in a while, but um, I'll never diss out on fraternities or sororities forever because it's good for networking and stuff. It just wasn't uh, right now at the University of Wyoming. It seems like they're fading because Wi Fi is down. They're gone, right? Yeah. And it's just, um, you, Wyoming is you already come from a small network, usually a small town mm -hmm. in Wyoming. And so when you come here, you probably already know people that are a couple of years older, people. You know, we come in a couple of younger, but you have this network, say you're from Pinedale and everybody kind of knows each other. And then eventually you meet everybody else from other towns. But so sororities and fraternities are good for the people that don't necessarily fit there, but it doesn't always work out at well. I mean, they seem to get smaller and smaller. Like Pike House is on the other side of the road now. It's crazy. It got demolished. Yeah. I don't know what happened. There was some structural issues with it. I think their pipes were bad or something. But they demoed the house. Now it's like a big X in the on the ground. We always call it the X-Men landing pad because it's next to the Tridelts right there. But now they bought, they're still a fraternity and they bought a house. I, I can't remember exactly whose house it used to be, but it's weird to see it. Cause I'm like, we were, they were, we were always, we were always on this side of the place, but. Um, yeah. And you party on the roof, man. I remember yeah. you'd like crawl out the window and you'd be yeah. partying on the roof. Yeah. That was one of the big sell points to me. Like I had a uh, roommate that was a pike and it was weird because he was like, oh, let's go to the house. And it was during the summertime and um, yeah, it's be awesome. And they kind of talked me in as we were there. They're working on, like three of us, but I was like, I was the one that was probably in. And it was weird because my roommate was a pike. Uh, he was my big brother. I was his actual boss on campus. We're both Niner 49er fans and Yankee fans. We had a lot going on, friendship in life. And so he made me a Jaeger fan. Like I, I still drink Jaegermeister probably to the day because of that family tree of pikes. And uh, I mean, I don't drink it as frequently as I used to, but I still can throw down a Jaeger shot. Most people are like, no, never, never again. So leaving Minnesota, you're at the University of Wyoming. You're living in, what was it? Downey? No. What's that? Or. Or Hall. So with a so-so, so-so roommate. I had a uh, foreign exchange roommate. I lived in McIntyre. My first roommate was, he was 21 from Germany. Um, it was all right. I already had a fake ID. So I already had that taken care of because he was still 21. And uh, eventually, like, I had met somebody on my floor that was from Laramie, but I didn't know them in high school that well. And we were always playing video games together. And he's like, my roommate's moving out. And I was like, yeah, I'll come in. So I share, I changed rooms, but my other roommate, he already had a guy that friend that he was hanging out with all the time. So it worked out in the long run. Um, but it's once again, I didn't meet anybody new, like not from Laramie. I was already like, I knew people in Laramie that, that had apartments, that had parties, all that stuff. My college experience was still Laramie High School. So did you get to leave me a lot of people in the dorms? I did. I met a lot of people in the dorms. Um, and like you said, the networking piece, that's why I um, joined or I did Rush was because to, to meet new friends. Yeah. And um, I was told I was by one of the Oh, I don't know what you say. I'm not alum, but um, one of the members of Chi Omega, super, super old member. Like she was there when my grandma was there. Like my, 
It's so funny. Night Hall, my grandma had a dorm room in Night Hall, which is weird. Wow. But she was then um, there back in the day and she's like, you should join Rush and meet people. And I did. And that's when I joined the house. But yeah, it's a great networking opportunity. And it's so funny you bring up Facebook. I remember when Facebook started. Yes. Back in 04. And you had to have a college ID, 03. And you yeah. had the college login. Oh, I remember Facebook in the glory days. <laughs> you got invited. Yeah. You yeah. Couldn't just, you couldn't just join. You had to be invited. And I had a, a college uh, email because I work at the University of Wyoming. So I was like ahead of my age for being on Facebook because at a university and it worked out great for DJing and such. I was, it was a great networking thing. Yeah. And oh, in MySpace? Uh, yeah, and MySpace. <laughs> Some people got back to MySpace and I don't remember any of my login stuff at all. I guess you can crest a new password. Um, it still exists. It's still. So I think I, I, people can check me on that one, but go check it out. If you get done listening to this podcast, check out some MySpace or you can check it out because you're probably listening to the podcast on your computer. So you can see if you have the MySpace, but oh yeah, I look at my Facebook timeline and, and it's like, I've been apart since 2003 and oh my God, we used to have private walls and you don't anymore. I'm not advising anyone to scroll through their own walls or anybody else's walls, but there's some stuff you're like, I should delete, or this is just funny. I, I'm not, and there's no shame in my game. And I know digital me is a little bit different than real me. So, and once my mom got on Facebook, I totally changed the situation of how, how I posted on Facebook. And I think everybody should like, kind of had the same mantras. Well, what would my mom say to this post? You know, and a lot of us have our moms on Facebook, but you should ask yourself or my grandma, maybe like, what would my grandma say to this face post? Yeah. Exactly. So when did you start the University of Wyoming? Uh, in fall of 2004. Fall 2004, yes. That's when I first started DJing at Love Choice. That was my first, uh, yeah, first, but that's when I first started. It's interesting. Um, so did you know when going to college, what you were going to major in? Uh, at the time, I wanted to major in athletic training. And oh, this is, <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. I loved it. I did it um, throughout high school. I actually lettered in it twice. Weird. <laughs> letter in athletic training um but i was an athletic trainer for hockey and wrestling at the um at Owatonna high school trainers are great like i severely sprained my ankle skiing which is weird the boots don't bend this way left right but they do go up and down got in a huge wreck but mine went this way um i had to go in each morning get taped up and then go through the day, come back, do my exercises, rehab, get taped up again, re go home, sleep, cut it off, shower, repeat for, I don't know. I'm like, now I get high ankle sprains in the NFL. Like, I think that's what I had. It was terrible. I rushed back because um, the ski season's short. And I was like, I'm good enough, but never really fully trusted ankle knee for probably a couple of years, at least skiing or like doing squats or, I just did enough. And so, no, I love trainers. And and people don't get it, like necessity of, of sports and athletics and such. So, no, no, that's good that you, that's a harder degree than broadcasting. I That's what I had. So not a lot of math involved in mine or actually learning like body parts or anything like that. So, so did you stick with it? No. So I then changed it to nutrition. Okay. Shortly thereafter, changed it to business. And then I changed it to, so I did do a little time at LCCC. I wanted to go into radiology. Okay. At the time, when I was starting my radiology adventure, I realized it was going to take me four years to get an associate's at the time, where I had enough credits underneath me that I could go get a bachelor's. Um, in communication 
So I changed it and went and got a bachelor's in communication with an emphasis on public relations and on advertising. Right on. So when you watch advertising commercials, you see right through them. It's not so actually I have an aunt that has her own advertising biz, business in Las Vegas. Yeah. And so yeah, I get all the <laughs> when I talk to her all the I'm on I'm in the inn, if you will. So I had I was in uh, DECA in high school, mm-hmm. marketing and advertising, and you had to compete in those uh, competitions. I wasn't any good, um, but I learned a whole lot. I thought that might have been my uh, major in college, but uh, no. Uh, cause I was like, well, I shouldn't do that. I wasn't good in high school at it. So let's see. I almost wasn't, I went into teaching, but my dad who was a teacher talked me out of it, which was weird. Um, everybody else was like, you've been a great teacher. And my, my stepmom's like, I wish I would have had your ear more. And I was like, uh, it's all right. I went into broadcasting, uh, via my stepdad. Um, he in high school had me my senior year. Um, my parents won't let me have a job, maybe in the summertime, but they want me like, if I was doing athletics and it was athletics and schoolwork and that was it. And in the summer I could have some job. One of my first job was like landscaping and it sucked. And it was one of those, you get up, you work, you eat, you shower, you go to bed, repeat. I was too tired to spend the money. So it was cool. And then, uh, but my stepdad, my senior year of high school had me carrying equipment for a TV station uh, while they're on the field, like the field camera, they had this record deck that they hung off the side. So it's cool. And uh, so I'd carry that for the cameraman. And on Saturdays, I do that for home games. And then Sundays I did coaches shows and he paid me like 50 bucks. Like I was home pocket to do all this stuff. And I didn't know he was like setting the seed for me to eventually make that my major. And uh, it one side note of it was really cool i was a football player at laramie high school at the time and we were really good and i was a lineman and we never got any sort of press like after the game but when i went and worked saturday's game i got a lot of i got my own little press conferences half the time like because guys would come in because they worked the local beat the high school beat but they knew who i was and they'd ask questions about the game and such it was fun and so i goes like i i got i got linemen some uh some quotes you know, the standard 100% teamwork, all that stuff, you know. And, uh, but then I got into college, didn't know what I was going to do, undeclared my first semester. And my stepdad's like, you should intern for me. It would be like what you did uh, for football and stuff. And I was like, sure. Carry all this equipment and work on a bunch of TV productions, five, four, three, two, one, all that stuff. And next semester, yeah, declared broadcasting major. And that were, those were the easy classes. It was all those other classes that weren't your major that I struggled with. And especially, well-rounded. Yeah, you're supposed to be a well-rounded education. It's true. I get it now. Especially the classes that kind of interfered with my social life because I chose a second job to work in the bars as well. Either bouncer, DJ, sometimes bartender, not as much as the other two. And... Uh, then I worked at our T- the UWTV as well. And I was like, and then I went to school. When did I sleep ever? I was trying to figure out, like, I was trying to do the math. I was like, nobody sleeps in college. I don't think. I don't think. So what was your, like, well, I guess what was your first job in high school? If you, did you have one in high school? Were you able to work or anything like that? No. <laughs> Man, my first job in high school, that's been so long ago. Oh, yeah. Man, I can't even... I think I used to work at GNC back in the day. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, like, I don't know, I had a lot of little jobs, like, in high school, because I was playing soccer year-round, right? You couldn't do all sorts yeah, of like, Yeah. I was Wayne's World. I had a lot of Joe jobs. A lot of got a name yes. tag, Aaronettes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. When in... Uh, did you uh, become a server? What was the first time you did any of that kind of work? A server, like restaurant Bartender? server? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my first serving job was at Hooters in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
You had to wear the whole orange shorts and everything. Heck yeah, I did. Wore the orange shorts, even had the camel shorts, had blackout Fridays, you name it, I had it. So was that like um, in between college semesters or like what got you to Cheyenne? How, I mean, from... From Minnesota? Well, my grandparents lived in Cheyenne. Okay. Yeah. And then, so would you work there during the summers in college or would you work, when did you work at Hooters like obviously got to be in of 18 to work there I'd hope uh summer 2005 yeah and then the first job I had I worked for a production company that did all the camera work for frontier days so I was a grip so I get it like I followed the camera guy around and would you know wheel up the cord wheel out the cord um that's where that was my first job um out of high school nice and then I was, then, I was yeah. one of those pit cameramen for one summer. Like, Were you? Yeah, nineties. Uh, um, Lane Frost had recently died. Tough Hedeman was killing it at the time. He was awesome, and I was in the pit. We'd rotate, but it was two of us that we did all the camera work. As we did all the buck and broncos and the bull riding. And my buddy and I and my former roommate, we would drive back to Laramie and we'd have full on discussions about rodeo. And I would laugh because I was like, I've never talked about rodeo ever, let alone had a 45 minute conversation on what just had. Um, the, bad, the, the flip side of the, like, the bad side is that the next year they made this, the hardcore, you got to wear cowboy hats and all that stuff. Uh-huh. And yeah, I was like, I'm out. I was like, that, I don't wear that kind of stuff, and I wouldn't buy it. And I was like, if you bought it for me to wear it, I'd wear it, but I'm not wearing it just to get a job. So I'm out. I think I worked yeah. after that. But Yeah, behind the shoots, pearl snaps and cowboy hat. Yeah, I remember that. And actually, tough Hedeman, man. He wants like, shoulder bump me, and I was like, that mother. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's tough Hedeman. And I was like, oh, still don't care. Yeah. But yeah, I did that for a while. And then they um, promoted me or moved me to a new position. I was a character graphic engineer. So I'd be the one that would, you know, insert the names on the screen, insert yes. the looks on the screen. And then one year, U.S. Smokeless Tobacco came along and they were doing the, oh, you know, the timers and the signs and they all had the character graphics. And I remember sitting there because I was out of a job, but I sat there just in case for backup. And this guy walks in who worked with you to smokeless tobacco. Do you remember when I worked for them? No. <laughs> yeah, I used to work for you to smokeless tobacco. Uh, I can't remember what he said to me, but I'm like, how do I get a job with you? Because you seem to get everything you want. And in five minutes, he had my new manager there. And I worked for you to smokeless tobacco there for a while. Yeah. I was a Copenhagen schoolgirl. Ah. Uh. Yes. No, I don't remember that at all. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Um, you no longer work with them anymore, so that's all right. I I quit smoking cigarettes, so I got poo-poo tobacco anymore these days. So, <laughs> um, But we've all learned our lessons from those days. Uh, so what got you? It seems like, okay, you were, how long did you work with it for them? Were you over in Cheyenne for a while? Then you came back to school? Oh, I was still in Laramie at the time okay. I was working from. Um, we used to do promotions at the bars, okay. do um, promotions everywhere, you name it. And then there's nothing like getting a phone call the first week in November saying, hey, do you want to go to the NHRA finals? We'll fly you out tomorrow in Vegas or yeah. the PR finals. Yeah. So I used to go do all that stuff as well. It was a lot of fun, you know, being 19, being flown to Vegas to do promotions. Yes. Yes, all to that. Well, 19, well, you still get drunk at 19 in Vegas, but you know, I'm sure it's more enjoyable when you're of age, trust me. <laughs> oh, it, well, I have, my family all lives in Vegas. Oh, so, well, my, my mom does, my stepdad does. Really? Yeah. Um, they moved there about 10 years ago. My little sister moved there four years ago, I think. Um, so yeah, I go go to Vegas quite a bit and now you, you understand it. Like everyone's like, you're going to Vegas again? I'm like, okay, it's not like Vegas. It, no, 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 it's family time. 
I was like, and my best friend lives there. So maybe one night at Crazy Vegas. But the older we get, it really doesn't, that it slows down a little bit. We might have like a two in the morning Vegas, but not like two in the afternoon the next day Vegas. No, no, no. Right. Yeah. Rage. No, I, I get it. Well, yeah. it's like every time I go to Vegas, I get it. It's like, yeah, it's like no different than saying my family's from Timbuktu, but it happens yeah. in Vegas. Yeah. And you get to see the flips. You get to see the side of Vegas, like the normal Joe workers, like the people that make Vegas go or their families are out there doing different stuff. And there's, yeah, my parents live in uh, just right near Henderson border, close to the airport. So when I fly in and so easy and you don't hear planes any all the time at their house, it's perfect. And my buddy lives out in Henderson and he's a basketball coach at their, one of the high schools there. He's head girls basketball coach. So, uh, yeah, anytime I get a chance, I try to go out to Vegas. It's, a, it's always a good time. It's always warmer than it is here in Laramie, Wyoming. So, except for when it's like 110, uh, I kind of avoid Vegas. I've learned my lessons about going at those times because my mom always laughs. There was one time, I'm sure it's 116 or so, and we're leaving a casino, and the doors open, and I just go, ugh. I go, it's like, just walking into an oven and not knowing better. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, yeah, that is, that's about says it right. And I was like, yeah. And I go, I left that trip and I came back to Denver. It's probably 98 in Denver, but it's a cool mountain 98, not a desert 116. I felt like it was like 70 degrees. I was like, oh man, this is awesome. But it's still 98. So getting flown out to Vegas at 19, that's awesome to work uh, the rodeos and everything like that. Um, I, th- sometimes Wyoming football would be out there at the same time. So oh yeah, I'd be there too. Um, and then, so you're still going to school, crazy enough. Um, mm-hmm. Is that when you start switching your majors around? Uh, oh, I started uh, switching around a lot. I was yeah. very indecisive. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's no pattern. Like they were constantly being switched around. And then when U.S. Smoke was, was bought out by R.J. Reynolds, uh-huh. um, I actually got laid off and I got a severance check. <laughs> like the age of 21, I get a severance check. And then after that happened, um, I was like, well, heck, I'm a promotional girl, ex girl, like... So I started hitting up some people and then that's when I got a job as a Budweiser promo girl. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And, and like with that, what would you do? Would you just go to bar? Well, I mean, what did that job entail? So we do tastings at bars and then we'd go to the bars and we'd buy people beer. That's what like UFC was in its prime. And remember like people would just like fill up bars and you'd watch you know, everyone, and then you just go there and you buy beer and hand out promotional stuff. It was a lot of fun. So whatever beer was like, you were like trying to push the seasonal stuff here. We'll buy this for you. What do you think? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like want to try a Bud Light Platinum. You want to try a Bud Light Lime. Do you want to try it? Yep. Here, I'm here for you. So I did that for a while. And then I also worked as probably, you know, the Buckhorn. (laughs) Haven't we all? Oh God, love the buckhorn. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm hit or miss. I don't know. I can't say uh, I'm 50-50 on the whole play, a whole thing of loving and hating it, you know, all together. Um, but yeah, interesting stories to come out of there, interesting work stories, interesting just life stories. Um, definitely a staple bar in Wyoming. If people, if you've that are listening, if you've never been to Laramie, Wyoming. And you want to, I don't know, it's not quite the size of life that it used to be. Back when I first started walking into that place in 20 years old, 21 years old. Um, But then they started playing like dance music in the bottom part. And it kind of changed the whole feel of the place. I was the first one to do that, by the way. Sorry, sorry, I ruined it. Um, But... Uh, it was quite, I had to figure out how to play the music that kept those regulars, those interesting, interesting folk that I got to meet in over many years. 
and then bring in the college kids that had gotten used to me at like Lovejoy's because that's where I'd just come from. And um, there, there were interesting meshings of crowd, I'll say. Uh, and, but yet, it wasn't totally just like, all right, all you regulars out. I'm going to play some songs you hate. I know what they liked. And so I'd, I'd just give them some of that in the beginning. We we're good. We we're happy. And they were always happy. And then they kind of mosey on out. But I wasn't running them out the door. Um, yeah. But yet, when I used to go in there, was, I first started DJ in the parlor, 90s. I hated being in the buckhorn because it wasn't my kind of people because I was DJ. I wanted to be upstairs, hip hop crowd. Uh, as I got older, I was like, okay, these people are, these people are great. Uh, how long did you work at the buckhorn? Oh man. I worked at the buckhorn for a couple years. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what was one of the most interesting stories you can tell? I have so many <laughs> interesting stories. Stories. I remember one time, so um, like you were saying, like hip hop music. Yes. We had DJ upstairs playing jump. Okay. And so many people were jumping up and down. I remember looking at the ceiling and you could see the dust falling off the chandeliers and like the floor moving. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we need an evacuation plan right now. Now, if you had a trash can thrown at me. <laughs> Lots of fun, lots of fun, interesting stories for sure. Now, do, they built, have you been up there since they built the other side of it? I have not. I remember when the backside was restricted and like you had to be careful where you walk because you could fall through the floor. Like that's how long it's been. Uh, well, if I saw back there when they were first thinking of the idea to build back there and then it got restricted, like you're talking about, but you can see the floorboards across the buckhorn floor ceiling and the buckhorn floor. and they're just huge huge just uh eight by they are huge beams now the pieces in between get a little soggy and they get moving and jump but like there's no way that thing's coming down i mean some of them maybe could put their foot like through the slots maybe but the the, the ceiling's pretty damn solid like once i saw that I was like, I didn't real, and because I've seen the same thing you have. Like I've seen the the ceiling and the chandelier just start to shake when you're at the Buckhorn. You're like, oh yeah, they're getting down, and everyone upstairs thinks we're going through. Nobody's gone through yet in probably forty years, fifty, however long they probably played hip hop music up there. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. It's 2020. Well, knock on wood. Yeah, true. And they but they built the other side, and that seems to be pretty successful for them. Um, I don't know what to call it, if it's still the parlor. It's kind of like three or four stairs down. I call it purgatory because you're not in the buckhorn and you're not in parlor. You're in the middle somewhere, but it may be parlor plus. I don't know. I've never seen any real advertisement. Last time I was there, I was way out of my age range. And um, I was like, okay, I will not be back. And like, I, I will drag people occasionally. I haven't been there and haven't seen in a while, like early in the night, like, let's go check this out. Okay. See, look, that's all. Let's get out of here for like, we get dry humped on the dance floor. You know, let's get out of here. You know? <laughs> exactly. so, I haven't been back in a long time either. So, so um, you're still in school and now you're working with Buckhorn, man, you got a severance package behind you. So college paid for. Oh, I wish it was like a hundred bucks. It was, a oh. it was like, this is a severance check. Okay. <laughs> got screwed in a buyout package, but so, uh, and you worked at the Buckhorn and did you, and did you have any other jobs besides Buckhorn going to school? Like I, I balanced the couple. Budweiser girl, Budweiser, Budweiser girl. girl. So you're like, come to the Buckhorn and drink the Budweiser. If you know what's good for you. Exactly. Um, and then once, when did you finally, decide on your communications as a final major that's when i learned that i could get a bachelor's in yeah, okay i mean two degrees versus an associates and so that's when i got my communication degree um with an emphasis on advertising and public relations a lot um was due to my aunt she is a pretty big role model in my life all right you have your own advertising business in vegas it's pretty phenomenal and I had to laugh because when I was in college, the QR code, she had me do like, we had to do a quick 30 minute presentation on things that were up and coming. And she chose the QR code for me. 
And I remember my communication or my advertising teacher telling me, oh, those will never be big. <laughs> I, I really probably dragged my feet on them a lot as well. But now it seems like there's a lot of I use them a lot because sometimes companies make it the only way. And you're like, oh, shit, that unlocked a bunch of stuff. Right. Like, all, right all right. Yeah. But yeah, at first I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not taking a picture of anything. But Yes, it works out well, but I, I dragged my feet on that. That's awesome that your aunt was seeing. That was 10 years ago. Future. <laughs> you know, where she's like, these are going to be big. And then my, my advertising teacher's like, oh, these won't go anywhere. Where are we at? <laughs> my stepdad in a mass media class uh, was my, one of my instructors. He called out basically what cell phones would be uh, today. Yeah. And then... He's like the battle between who controls the information in your house, the cable company or whatever, you know, or the internet. Who wins that battle? And he's like, you'll have this is a Fitbit I'm wearing. You'll have one of these. And some people can talk into their like iPhone and stuff. I mine's Fitbit. Uh, you have one of these Dick Tracy because he's that old. Yeah, do you feel like Dick Tracy? Yeah, that's what he was like. That'll be a thing. And you'll be able to control your information via device. And I bring it up to him all the time, to the day. I was like, you, he's like, I know. Can you imagine? And he's like, I know. He goes, like, I didn't have it quite down, like to the exact device, but yeah, I saw it coming. And I was like, but yet you let your VCR blink, you know, 12 midnight, you know, flashing over, you know, one of those guys. And he's like, yeah, that, I'm an idea guy. That's a button pusher guy. That's, that's somebody else's. I pay people to do that. He was one of my bosses too at one time. And I remember uh, one of the interns was like, hey, why don't you get in here and direct and push buttons? He was like, no, no, no. I pay you to push the buttons. <laughs> and so he was pretty good like that. But I remember when he called it out. And so I always was like, I, I pay attention when he talks about trends and, and stuff like oh, heck that. heck yeah. Yeah. What do you got now? And so graduate college, communications degree. Did you know what you wanted to do? Where you were going? Absolutely no clue. And how many years deep were you into college? I took six years. Seven. Seven? <laughs> I know people have done more for bachelors, so it happened. Yeah, some their doctorates, but you know, bachelors. <laughs> F. Oh yeah. I was like, my parents went five. We'll pay for five. I was like, all right. I'm in year five, going. I'm not close. Well, kind of. I can't cram it all in. And then I was like, well, I'll just pay for six. So I, I strung out six to two semesters of part-time and then I was just working a ton. So I made it a full six years. Could have been five and a half, but whatever. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I saw people that graduated in four and they're like, Rude, what am I going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to school, you know, like. And so did you like keep working in Laramie? Did you keep? Yeah, doing whatever. It's so funny you should bring this up because I remember the last day of like I had everything done, all my tests done, everything. And I happened to be sitting next to Macy Madrid at the library. <laughs> and she goes, You should become an ordained minister. Who would, <laughs> at the time, I had a droid X. <laughs> Do you remember those? They're probably in museums now. And I get out my droid X and I find some ministry, if you will. And yeah, um, I became Reverend Kachow. <laughs> Have I used it? Nope. But thanks to Macy, she told me to become an ordained minister. I am ordained as well. Yes. Maybe we'll have to check mine out what church I'm in. I just did it to prove how easy it is to become an ordained minister. And you can do it via the internet real quickly. Um, and I'm ordained in Dudism, which is big Lombowski there. There's that you can do that. It's probably just as simple. Um, I have married a couple and used, like I had my certificate in the ordained ministry, whatever I had ready to go if anybody wanted to see it. And so I'm at, uh, the rehearsal dinner the night before, I guess. And legitimately people that are like family of the, of the couple and stuff. Um, I know part of their family and everything are like treating me like I'm a legit, like 
of the cloth. Like, one guy was like, sorry, Reverend. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, like you have been forgiven. I was like, yeah, we're, you know, it's good. I forgive you. We're not, I was like, I, I had a hard time like playing into the facade that much. Cause I was like, I, cause I'm not, I didn't have a particular original religion. They, they would know. I'd be like, oh, it's world religion of so-and-so. But it was interesting how I got treated after like they found out I was the one that was going to marry the bride and groom and the bride and groom just wanted a non-religious ceremony and I fit the bill and I just found some vows and stuff and it was great. It worked out, but yeah. So yes, you are ordained. I'm ordained. It's awesome. That's sweet. Macy said that. And uh, that, that's something I believe she would say. So it got your mind off like, well, what job am I going to do now? Well, so. to think that I can make a living being an ordained minister, that's something right there. But. <laughs> if you could get the followers of Cacao, then yeah. Every once in a while, it's like, I could totally start a cult, but I'm not evil enough. I'm not like, and so, because I watch a lot of cult stuff. It's fascinating and everything. Um, so yeah, I'm like, God, that would be easy to do. People are so kind of dumb. So, but I'm not that evil, but I'm just saying, like, I probably could come up with some really BS religion. Yeah. So, sorry, not all religions are BS. I'm just saying I could come up with a BS cult religion. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you could do that for a living. I don't know. It's kind of, you know, obviously you haven't. Uh, I've not seen your ministries yet. You don't have a television program yet. You could. You probably could have a YouTube channel for that now. If you really Perhaps. want to. Yeah. So once you got that job, what was the next job after that? I, I worked at the Buckhorn for a bit. And then I ended up going back and working for the distributor that I was a Budweiser girl for. Um, I was a sales execution manager. And so I helped all my salesmen um, get their goals for the month. And I did that for about a year. And then um, I was brought to Rock Springs, Wyoming by a boy. And I applied for a job and somehow ended up in the oil and gas industry. And here I am today. Cool. Still say it said boy? No. No. <laughs> no. I did an interview not too long ago. And I said that question to them, like, no. And I was like, man, these boys. I know. Watch really interesting locations, man. You gotta listen. Be careful of them. Watch out for them boys. Watch out for them boys. And so, Rock Springs, Wyoming—that's where you're currently located. Um, what's that place like? I've only played like football there. I haven't really hung out or anything. I mean, it's not bad. Thank God for Amazon. Um, but but it's it's not bad. Um, I like it. I mean, I've been here for almost seven years now. So wow. that's cool. I mean, to be in Washington that long, I guess. Um, own a house and all that there, everything. Yeah. It's your roots. Yep. Your Up roots here, and all that. Uh, you're there. Um, animals? You got pets? I have five. Five? Yes. What kind? Where? So I have three cats and two dogs. Three? How do they all get along? Oh, that's awesome. They don't. Okay. <laughs> they don't. So um, I have my one cat, Dale. She's my spirit animal. Okay. I've had her for the last six years. And then I have two bulldogs. Their names are Sig and Trig. And they are they are definitely bullheaded as I'll get out. But they're, they're a lot of fun. And then I just recently inherited my grandma's cats. Okay. Yep. So I have her two cats. Their names are Bugsy and Tallulah. They're 10. And uh, yep, I have a herd and I love it. Uh, we have two cats. Um, I have 12 year old cat that I've had for 11 years named Carl. Um, he has on Instagram now. He's celebrity. All that. Nice. Um, and then Althea is my girlfriend's cat, technically. Um, I mean, we both call them our cats. Uh, but yeah, when they go, we have different vets. I don't, it's so, I don't get that. yeah, we should have the same vet. Um, but I was like, yeah, we should have my vet because I've had my cat longer, but whatever. Um, I trump you. I've had my yeah, longer. <laughs> yeah. 
and I end up taking them there to the vets, the cats more than she is. So um, she'd be my vet, but it's further away. So I just, I'm like, ah, ah, whatever. I'm not willing to give mine up yet. Cause I like, maybe if I get another animal later in life, we'll switch to that. But my vet will stay with my cat. My cat will stay with that. And there it's, I've never, I don't think I've ever had an animal this long. I grew up with dogs mostly. And I got a cat like, because I was dating a girl that had a cat and I was like, oh, they're easy. My cat was never, e I don't think to the day easy. Um, getting another cat made him better, but he's like, thank you for my toy. Like, this is not, she's mine and I will treat her however I like. And I constantly have to like kick him and smack him for jumping on her. Cause he's like, he's big. He's not a fat cat. He's a long cat. And he's just an alpha and he dominates. And so she'll look at him funny and he's like, oh, time to take you down. And it sucks. It's not cool. And she squeaks and it's not, not good. So they barely get along. It's funny when like the only time they get along is if they're like going after a bug together. Like, we got this. We got this. I got this. You're, you're over there. I'm over here. Like, that's about it. And the rest of the time, it's it could be chaos at any moment. But yet, they'll both sit on my lap at the same time. That seems to be the spot. Like they want to see so neutral zone for each other. And I thought once Althea tried to sit in my lap with my cat, like he was gonna have none of it. But he'll move over for her because she just waits it out. She'll wait it out. She makes things weird. She just wait it out. She just stand all awkward on my leg, and I'm like, until he moves, and then he does, and then sits. And I'm like, no, you should be. I tell my girlfriend's cat over with her i want just one cat it's so hard to get up sometimes they pin you down you have a herd that probably pins you down oh yeah and it's awkward because you're like i know they're comfortable but i need to move but i can't move because i don't want to make you uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah well, i was just say yeah. you'll be back i i'll like move them you'll be back it's I mean, a never ending cycle yeah you'll be back you're not <laughs> freedom sweet freedom if you're not back right exactly you're like yeah. oh i can move around <laughs> yes it is i put my knees up oh it's glorious sometimes and so i got one last question for you all right and i ask every guest of mine because the show name is all my friends how did we meet i think it was at love joys on my 22nd birthday Wow. Come rolling in <laughs> on my Yeelys. <laughs> yes. Was that really it? Is your birthday you wearing those? All right. I probably wore them multiple times in the bar, but. <laughs> I, I swear. Okay. She had rollies. The shoes had wheels on them for kids, but they're awesome for adults. I thought. Genius. Still have them. Genius. <laughs> And uh, if you can fit into them and everything. And uh, so you, I swear you rolled over. Uh, didn't you work at Lovejoy's? Mm -hmm. Aces party there a lot. Okay. Maybe you came out. I swear you rolled over with a drink or asked me what I wanted to drink or something. Drink, of course, it was bar related. I was DJing and I was like, roll a hoe. And that's how I gave you the name. Um, I swear you brought her bringing a drink. I can't remember why and how exactly. I, I heard Rolo somewhere else, probably from a comedian. And it was, I think prostitutes wore roller skates in like Times Square and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, I see these prostitutes on skates, call them Rolo hoes. And so he rolled over and luckily you have a good sense of humor. And you, I knew you well enough, I could make the joke of Rolo ho. And it floored you. It was funny. I think we had that shot then. Uh, I think that's how it went down. I, I, I want to believe that's how it went down. Um, I was a shot of Jaeger. Probably, yeah. probably was a bomb, man. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I was very good. I, I didn't like the energy drink at Lovejoy's. So I'd just be like, just give me a big old Jaeger. Take that energy drink and give it to somebody else that doesn't have taste buds. <laughs> I was like, like uh, they had that like energy drink on tap. Yeah. That was really weird. And it's roller hoe from uh, that fever Friday Friday night. No, 
Friday Night Fever with Heather. What's her bucket? I don't know. It has the porn star in it. Oh, Boogie Nights. <laughs> the roller skates. Boogie Nights. Yeah, Boogie Nights. Roller Girl. Yeah, that oh, was Roller Girl. Man. Damn. But I know I'd heard Roller Ho through Comedian. And, and you just Wait. came rolling up, roll, literally rolling up on the shoe skates. And it, were they in the back of the heels that were there at? Yeah. And you just put up your top front foot and roll. And Lovejoy's has carpet that's rollable, so it's probably real easy. Hopefully, you didn't hit like a fork or anything like that. Did you ever no, crash? There, there were no crashes that okay. night, I recall. Ever on the shoes? Well, I'd been drinking that night, so I don't recall. <laughs> but I remember when I first bought them, I laid down on the floor and go, How do they look? And the salesman looked at me and was like, What are you talking about? Well, I just want to make sure they look good when I fall. <laughs> That's great. That's great. What inspired you? Just saw them and I was like, I got to have those. Did you, were you just looking for shoes at the time or like, I knew I need some rope? What are they called? Heelys? Heelys. Heelys. I just, I don't know. There's something about them. I just had to have them, man. (laughs) I remember in college, rollerblades were like the thing, huge when I was in college. And where you know Washakie now, it was not there. It was a lot smaller. And there's a big wide open space. And so that's where I learned how to roll a raid. It was really smooth and easy. And so then I was like, oh, I can roll a blade to class. No, 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 no. And you got to bring shoes. You got to bring a whole different like. Yeah, it's. it's and everything. Basically, it was so much cooler in movies and such. Oh, just roll a blade to class. Okay, then you got to take them off, put shoes on, got to find a place, put them in class. Other people, you know, saw you wreck on the way. So, you know, it's not always graceful to be there. So, yeah. I, I, that get, that went quickly. My, like, rollerblading wanted to think that was a cool idea. Otherwise, I, Healy's would have been so much easier as a, cool. you know, you can walk and skate. Yeah. And especially in buildings. So when you're like, you know, you just skate down the hall real fast or at bars, hey. Hey, yeah, you can, get, you can get from Lovejoy's to the Buckhorn real quick on those Heelys. Yeah, as long as you're not going through that alley when it's like got rivets from snow in it. Like, no, nobody should be in that alley then, but yeah. No, never. Like, that's off-roading Heelys. I don't think I, <laughs> I, think I took the long way. <laughs> well, I want to uh, thank you for being on the show, giving me your time here on All My Friends. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Folks, because of COVID-19, all these interviews are done via Zoom and the internet, except the very first interview. And the quality really depends on the internet connection. And as you heard, there was kind of a delay between my question and Megan's answers. But as soon as it's safe to do these interviews face-to-face, I'm going to travel to see my friends or we can sit down in the studio. And speaking of the quality and my studio, I'm looking to upgrade the podcast sound. I want to redo my studio. I want to get a bunch of new equipment. I want to give better production values to the show. And you can help. I started a GoFundMe page. You can find the info on my Podbeam site for the podcast. Or you can go to GoFundMe.com. Here is the web address. GoFundMe, G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E dot C-O-M slash all slash, or actually said dash, my dash friends dash podcast. You got that? GoFundMe.com backslash all dash my dash friends dash podcast. It takes a little money to keep this show going And I want to keep it going as long as I can. Don't you? When I told the story how I first called Megan Roloho, it was not the first time I met her. Now, after thinking about it after the interview, I think I met her through our friend, JP, Jason Pendleton. That dude knows everyone. JP, if you're listening, let me interview you. I know I've sent you a uh, message request, but you never got back to me. 
And hopefully, right now I believe you're in quarantine and hopefully you're getting healthier by the day and not bored as hell. Megan and I talked for an hour after the podcast and we covered more topics that would be great for another podcast interview. So part two with Megan coming in the works. Thanks, Rolaho, and on to the next podcast.